0: From National Securities Corporation, it's the Agribusiness Advisor Podcast, where we discuss insights and trends from an investment banking perspective with the investors, corporate leaders, and other stakeholders participating in the industries that grow, process, and market the food that we consume. I'm Ivan Saval, and I oversee the Agribusiness and Food Coverage Group, providing capital markets and financial advisory. All podcast episodes are for informational purposes only and are not to be construed as a solicitation of securities. Any thoughts expressed by myself and or our guests are solely our own and are not those of National Securities Corporation. I'm here today with Kevin Kimley an economics professor focusing on agricultural economics at Iowa State University and uh I wanted to speak with Kevin because he has a lot of insight into sort of the mega trends driving agriculture and uh, I thought that it would be interesting for uh for my listeners to uh, to hear his views so Kevin thank you very much oh happy to be with you uh, maybe you could give a, a brief uh, description of uh, what you're doing at Iowa State. I know you wear many hats, so maybe a bit of a, a background of, of uh, your role and roles at Iowa State. And then we can jump right into what you're seeing happening in agriculture. Yeah, so um, I direct a program in the College of
1: Agriculture and Life Sciences called the Agricultural Entrepreneurship Initiative. Mm-hmm. So a program has been around for oh, about 12 or 13 years now. I've been here for nine years. Um, but also serve in one of my other titles at Iowa State, which is the Rassetter Chair of Agricultural Entrepreneurship. And so my background is entirely in agriculture, but I had a history of doing my own startups.
0: So let's talk about big picture trends. You know, where are the winds uh, blowing in the sails of agriculture?
1: Yeah, so... I give various talks to agriculture audiences about what drives opportunities in agriculture and kind of start at the mega trends, right? And then I I have the privilege by nature of being in front of a lot of young people and seeing, you know, what are they interested in, but also getting the opportunity to meet agricultural entrepreneurs really from around the world that um, this week, for example, when we sit here, come to the Farm Progress Show or, you know, that come to Iowa State University or Central Iowa to meet people. So an example of one of those mega trends is what I call niche acceleration. You know market niches in food and in agriculture of course are, are, are nothing new but i think the world is changing and agriculture for the same reason is changing in a, in a lot of others and that is around sort of increased expectations of consumers and so sometime in the last several months we've passed a really interesting point in that more than 50 percent of the global population has some level of access to the internet we've crossed the point where three and a half Billion people have access to the internet. That's incredible. Now, if you're in a retail business, of course, understanding that people walking around with smartphones change consumer behavior, is nothing new, right? Yeah. I mean, if you have a shop selling electronics, somebody looking on Amazon while well, they're looking at your price tags, right? I mean, that's changed the world. Well, I don't think in agriculture and the food business, we can expect anything different, right? There's no more intimate purchase that people make than food. And so when people think about what they put in their body for their health and wellness, you know their expectations around the information they have about it and its nutritional qualities, where it was produced, how it was produced, how it was processed, what the ingredients are, the list goes on and on. I think that you know ultimately changes consumer behavior. We had students who did a project for a food company from Europe actually, and they surveyed people from all across the United States, but one of the questions they asked was, How much detail detail do you want about how and where your food is produced? 90% of respondents said that they always care or usually care about that. Hmm.
0: and Transparency.
1: Yeah, I mean, transparency is a big deal. And the interesting thing from that was that millennials, the younger part of the demographic that had answered the survey, actually had a higher percentage that answered that question. So I think in the food business, traditionally, the way we've thought of it, is that older consumers, typically with higher incomes, right, are those who purchase? But that isn't the case in the survey, you know? So even young people.
0: But do you yeah. think the younger generation who has uh, a higher likelihood of answering that question, seeking that transparency and traceability, that they're answering it that way because they don't truly understand? food production, and how difficult and complicated it is to provide that level of traceability?
1: I think that's some of it. Yeah, and for those of us in production agriculture, sometimes when we talk to a consumer like that or have them asking questions, it's a little bit like nails on the chalkboard. But I don't think that's entirely it. You know, I think part of it, again, is just the training of a consumer and what they expect out of all the products that they purchase, right? And there's nobody more trained in how to think about the expectations around purchases and how information and data plays a role in that than millennials, right? Because yeah. yeah, since they've been, whatever, 12 or 15 years old, they've had a smartphone in their hands. I mean, they don't know that the world works any differently than that. And so they just are, are going to have expectations for what agriculture and the food industry produce that are altogether different from what consumers of the, of the past have.
0: Are you seeing that happen anywhere with where fruit production is providing more traceability to consumers
1: everywhere so i was at an event with an executive in research and development in the coffee industry and i talked about this very topic and i said is this affecting your business and he looks at me exasperated and he's like it's killing us you know he's, he's like it's killing us and you know he's with a big brand that everybody would recognize if i said it i won't but it. it you would recognize it, but right. think of whatever town you're from, right? Is there somebody roasting beans? And I said, even in Ames, a community that I'm from, small community, we have two companies here that have coffee shops, but they're roasting beans that are producer-specific. You know, Ethiopia and Uganda, <laughs> Africa. And they you know, trace all the way back really to the And it's really good producer. coffee. They trace it all the way back to the producer. And they met them. They went and traveled, you know, to these places. I mean, historically,
0: somebody would have responded to that kind of attempt as not being cost effective that you can't make money if you're going to be focusing on one producer let alone all of the costs involved with uh, having the access and proving that you're tracing it back to that producer
1: yeah but i mean i could buy some of the co- coffee in a bulk can and brew it up right now. i don't know what that would cost three cents a cup let's say if i go to ames and Buy this, or even we could go downstairs here, and I can buy you some Ugandan or Ethiopian coffee for three dollars a cup.
0: And you know where the producer is. <laughs> you know where the producer so is. So consumers are willing to pay. Yeah, for that. So there's a willingness to pay. Interesting. Yeah, I remember the days of coffee being twenty-five cents. You yeah. Know? <laughs> of course, this was a long time ago. You go get a cup of coffee at the local deli in New York, and you paid like fifty cents.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that brings up another um, kind of mega trend as well that just kind of builds on. The, on niches and that's that service experience and story are at the center of purchasing decisions you know so especially in the food business right we think about the product (laughs) and it still is it you know i'm buying a cup of coffee i'm buying a pork chop i'm buying a head of lettuce or whatever but that service experience and and kind of story of producer specificity or you know how it's grown or environmental stewardship or whatever is a is a big deal
0: do you foresee someday a, a like a clearinghouse online whereby consumers can choose whatever producer they want and match up with that producer and directly have a relation a, a transactional relationship I think absolutely yeah mm-hmm. well, that would completely cut out mm-hmm. the retail segment if that kind of clearinghouse were actually yeah. created in the
1: last year you know the retailers have all tried to move in that same area is retailers understanding that right that for the produce section. I need to have producer specificity, you know, and, and they sort of build that so yeah. that they can stay in that transactional relationship.
0: Very interesting, so that they, they could become the brokers of yeah. that transaction.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine in
0: Iowa who's in the egg
1: business, so he has big chicken farms and they produce eggs, he told me a story from China where he met an entrepreneur <laughs> who had started with a blog about egg nutrition and so in particular, his audience was young mothers and, and the role that eggs can play in, in young children's nutrition. And then he started a farm, and eventually he was shipping eggs directly to consumers in China and selling these eggs for like seven, the equivalent of $7 a dozen, direct ship eggs. And wow. <laughs> you know, it just made him totally rethink his business, right? Where we pick up eggs at the grocery store and shell eggs, at least are a commodity business. And... You know, so I think, you know, it's sort of. <laughs> I, I call it also the disaggregation of agriculture. You know, and and so I, in a lot of ways, you know, the commodity agricultural production systems that we have built are a beautiful thing. You know, consumers in the United States spend, on average, less than ten percent of their disposable income in food on food, as a necessity. That's that's a, beautiful thing, and that's a story of productivity in agriculture. <laughs> You know, compared to 25 or 30% when my grandparents got married back in the 1930s. But those systems are predicated on a lot of us wanting the same products delivered the same way.
0: Irregardless
1: of where they came from. Right. (laughs) When that changes, a lot of those assumptions around how we built agriculture, I think, begin to change as well. You know, another great case study in this, and this with students is always a good example to bring because it keeps them wait for at least another five to ten minutes, is the craft beer industry. (laughs) you know i had my first craft beer back in 1990 and you know since then again we've got i think 3 or 4 microbreweries in Ames not a very big community and you know the industry as a whole doesn't have a huge market share i think like 13 to 15% market share in the united states or something like this That is killing the large beer brands. I mean, it's making life really difficult for them. And so volume more or less than craft beer have grown and revenue has grown faster than volume. So they've been raising prices into what is a shrinking overall beer market. You know, and so you get this entrepreneurial energy (laughs) and localized, uh, you know, kind of brands or regional brands at least that, that develop. And, you know, who would have thought back in 1990 we would go from you know, less than 100 breweries, essentially, to thousands that we have
0: today in the United States. That's a great example. Yeah. The disaggregation of agriculture. (laughs) Good phrase.
1: (laughs) You know, I I think another sort of mega trend driving some of this, and again, a lot of these things relate that I'm mentioning, is essentially fewer layers in the supply chain. You know, again, technology enables, you know, as one example, more direct relationships between agricultural producers and consumers, you know, or it could be between producers and distributors, or producers and retailers, or whatever the case may be, but fewer layers in the supply chains. I think you know, craft brew is a,
0: a great example of that. What other big trends are you uh, sort of seeing right now?
1: Well, I think, and this is nothing new, but I think agricultural technology is really exciting, um, and it's.
0: You know, again, Is it finally at a point where you see an inflection point where where producers are are adopting some technology?
1: I, I do, but um you know, there's some areas where there's too much that doesn't provide a clear value proposition at the same side you know, at the same time. So, you know, how many drone companies do we need? <laughs> you know, and, and what's their value proposition? But at the same time, you know, we see technology companies for automation and labor savings. You know the indoor agriculture. I think is really interesting, although you know not proven out. Um, but I think yeah, we're at a real interesting time for deploying technology. You know, not just at the farm level, but as you think about some of these supply chain challenges, I think that's where in particular technology can help us do some things and create some ways of supplying consumers that we haven't been able to before.
0: Wow. Well, Kevin, I I know you're busy, <laughs> and uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I thought that was. Uh great conversation and very enlightening. So thank you very much for that. Always a pleasure talking with you. And um, I look forward to catching up next time uh, I'm in Ames. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Ivan. Good to talk with you. This discussion has been brought to you by the Agribusiness Advisor Podcast, sponsored by National Securities Corporation, a full-service investment banking firm, member FINRA. Please stay tuned for future conversations with Leadership in the agribusiness sectors. If you have comments, questions, please feel free to reach out and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you and here's to next time.